Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you for inviting me. My name is uh, Burhan Asmalash. Uh, currently, I live in London. Uh, I am a half-time minister in the Church of England, and uh, half of my time I spent uh, campaigning and supporting um, Eritrean uh, churches. Uh, I am from Eritrea, uh, as some of you may know. Um, Eritrea is not well known uh, in the world. Uh, it's located, uh, as you see it in the map, and surrounded by Sudan, Ethiopia, Yemen, and Saudi across the sea, and Djibouti at the other end. Uh, Eritrea was part of uh, Ethiopia. Asking the wrong man to be technical. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eritrea has about five million people, and uh, the religion distribution is 50 50 between Christianity and Islam, and it used to be part of Ethiopia until 1993. Uh, we never had uh, election since our independence and no constitution, and no political parties. It's like one family uh, leadership, even if it's not one party. Uh, our president, uh, Isaiah Aborki, is uh, a, to a totalitarian um, leader. So um, Eritrea has become now one of the most repressive uh, government. Uh, it's one of the top uh, refugee centers uh, in the world. And when it comes to Christian persecution, it is on the top 10. So it's not a, a pleasant uh, uh, country. Um, in 2001, some government ministers asked for reform, uh, but the president arrested all of them. So until now, it is 16 years, still in prison. Some of them is reported uh, dead. And at the same time, all the free press was banned and journalists were arrested. And until now, they are still uh, in uh, prison. In 2002, at that time, we didn't know that it will come to us. We, we thought this will be only towards those who speak against him or those who criticize him. We never thought as a church that he will come to us. But in May 2002, the government uh, summoned all, all, all church leaders, and uh, they were told from now on they are not allowed to worship in their buildings, and they have to stop uh, from next Sunday. So it's difficult for the leaders, but they had to obey because the government promised them the church will, uh, I mean, church will be reopened shortly. 
uh, after they complete their registration. Now it is 15 years. None of the church has been closed, uh, opened. And these churches are, some of them, one of the old, uh, I mean, well-known in the world. For example, even Adventists are closed. Uh, others, Methodists, uh, there was one Presbyterian, there was one uh, Anglican, uh, and others, local uh, free churches, the Pentecostals, all of them are arrested. And church leaders thought, we can manage, you know, house-to-house service, but that was not easy. Soon they start to arrest also the church leaders. In 2004, uh, the government raided some of the top leaders, uh, church leaders, from Full Gospel Church, and until now they are in prison. Uh, There was a sort of revival in Eritrea, uh, because we spent about 30 years fighting against the Ethiopians, and most uh, countryside and uh, villages were unreached. But after the independence, um, there was like a wildfire in, in all towns, and people started to come to the Lord in thousands. Um, our church, uh, during the independence, we were about 200, but after six years, we were over 2,000. And it was the same with all churches. And the movement was not only with the evangelical church, but also within the Orthodox. Uh, within the Orthodox, there was a youth movement. In one church, it's called um, Holy Savior Church, uh, about 3,000 were gathering every Sunday afternoon. Uh, and they were led by some ordained priests, uh, and a lot, uh, and thousands of young people were coming. And it was similar also in other Orthodox churches. And there was the same movement within the Catholic. So I think it scared the government. So that's why they they closed the church. Um, Yeah, some church leaders and ordinary Christians now have been prisoned for over 13 years. And prison doesn't mean like, like what you see in the West. Uh, sometimes I, uh, once a week I work as a chaplain in a prison and I, um, I cannot compare. Uh, our prisons in here are like Hilton when, you know, when you compare to prison in our country. Uh, so most of these prisoners, they've never been uh, visited by their family members and they've never been charged. Uh, they've never been uh, even questioned. So just they locked them and that was all. And it was not, it's not just like, uh, um, you know, sitting in a, in a prison. Um, I will mention later what really means. Uh, there, is a wi- uh, uh, there is a wide range of discrimination in, in the uh, Eritrean community against Christians. Uh, not everybody is in prison. Those who are not in prison, they suffer a lot. Some of them, they lose their job. There was one of our church members, he was a uh, school director. He had to be, um, um, I, I mean, made redundant. And others' businesses uh, were closed. Bank um, uh, uh, accounts were frozen. So there is all sorts of discrimination against Christians. Even they are not allowed to travel. Uh, one guy from, from London, he wanted to invite his mother 
to his wedding. So he traveled all the way to Sudan. But in Sudan, he, she couldn't come because she was not allowed to uh, get out of this country. Now she is in prison and she's sent to the desert uh, prison. So there is a wide uh, range of discrimination. And prison situation, in a Eritrea prison could be anything. It could be shipping containers. A lot of prisons have been locked up in, uh, in, in shipping containers. Sometimes in the underground pits, police stations, uh, uh, army barracks, uh, open fields in the desert, so all sorts of prison. Um, I was talking to one uh, prisoner. He was in prison for seven years. And out of seven years, uh, about w w one year he spent in uh, solitary confinement and in an underground prison. He was so sick, uh, he was uh, near to death. So people suffer also. This guy, finally he managed to escape from prison. Now he's living in uh, Canada. And there is always, uh, torture is frequent. Everybody faces torture. Sometimes people are tortured until they die. Um, they always, when, they, when Christians are arrested, they ask them to uh, renounce their faith. So they give them a piece of paper. So if they sign, they get released. If they refuse, they keep them. And sometimes they torture them until they sign. So a lot of them resist, and some of them lost their life. Uh, one of our evangelists, lost her life while she'd been tortured. She was caught in a wedding uh, with her sister and other um, 60 people, um, and she refused, and both of them were uh, been taken to the desert prison, and they were tortured there by a Muslim uh, prison guard until the sister passed away. So this is the sister who, uh, who passed away uh, while being tortured. Um, starvation is also very common. Prisoners are subjected to you know, starvation and poor hygiene. So many people die uh, because of hunger. Um, one guy was telling me, his name is Dr. Segid, now he's in Ethiopia. He said he weighed only 37 kilos while he was in prison because they were not feeding them well. So a lot of people suffer. Uh, recently, I was listening to one uh, lady's testimony um, who, who visited some prisoners. She's not, she was not a Christian at that time, but she said, when I saw my friend in prison, she, she said, I couldn't recognize her. But when she approached me, she was smiling, she was happy, and she seems as if she was happy to be there. At that time, it changed my life. So sometimes when we see People suffer, we uh, cry, but also it touches people's lives. Uh, just before I came to, to the UK, uh, a Muslim man came to my office and he said he was converted to Christianity. And I asked him, how did it happen? And he said he was in the military service. And uh, there was one Christian lady. They were always ridiculing her. They were insulting her. They were making, uh, making her life, uh, I mean, bad. But she was always singing. She was always smiling. And she had no resentment. She had no any anger. 
Then he asked, she said, I asked her, why, why, why is that? And she said, this is because of Jesus. And at that time, he gave his life to Jesus. And this Muslim guy, he married to, an, um, to another Muslim convert, but he was arrested for his faith. He was arrested in 2007, and he was asked the same, to renounce his faith, and they give him a piece of paper. He refused. Until now, it's 10 years. He's still in prison. So sometimes when we see people you know, suffering, but still it touches it touch people's lives. We are always praying for revival, but we never prayed that revival to come to Eritrea in, in such a way. But that was God's method. Sometimes suffering comes to this world, and God made make, you know, uh, some uh, fruit out of it. So that's what we are experiencing in uh, Eritrea. And at the moment, we don't know the exact number of prisoners, because there are always prisoners in and out. But uh, Religious Eritrea supports about 400 prisoners at the moment. Um, in uh, the past two months uh, alone, more than 200 people were uh, arrested. Um, one of the uh, main problems in, in, uh, of the torture is heat exposure. So a lot of people are deliberately you know, sent to, uh, it's similar to, uh, to the Soviet Union. They were sending prisoners to Siberia to be um, you know, punished by, by the cold. In our government case, they sent them to a very uh, hot places. The such hot places, one is made or is along the Red Sea coast. Uh, Dahlak Islands, they are, uh, no one lives in there, but they use it uh, as uh, prisons. And a new prison is now in Gergers, that's also in the Red Sea coast. Uh, temperature is usually in the, late, in, the, um, in the high 40s, 47, 48, sometimes reaches up to 50. And there is no any cooling mechanism, no air condition, no uh, cold water. Uh, because of that, uh, one lady was uh, arrested al along with her uh, friends. So uh, there were um, about over 30 women uh, who were arrested from uh, uh, Adikwala, and they were sent to this place, to Gergar. This woman, her husband is from a Lutheran church, but she was uh, a member of a full gospel church and she teaches in a mission school. Um, but she passed away because of heat, probably, and uh, until now nobody knows the cause of death. Uh, her son and her husband were with her. Her son is 17 years old. Even they were not allowed to attend her funeral. Uh, her three children are now currently living with grandparents. And there are over 50 children left without without guardian, all of them in the past, uh, since May. Um, and uh, th there are about um, 26 women and about seven men who were also sent to the Halak Islands. This prison were never used as prisons. They were used during the Second World War by the Italians because it's one of the harshest uh, uh, place in the world. Um, and that's what is happening at the moment.
And sometimes when I say to hit exhaustion, sometimes the government, uh, you know, when they punish them, they make them uh, lay um, uh, on the, at the back and they force them to see at the, at the sun. So the sun would damage the eyes. This is a very common practice. Every day for 10 minutes, they punish them in such a way. So this is also other form of uh, punishment. Uh, I, I want to mention about this uh, woman. Her name is uh, when she was arrested uh, 12 uh, years ago. And this is her, her picture. Um, this was her picture before her arrest. She was 22 years old. Now she's 34. Uh, Twen uh, and her friends, they were also uh, caught celebrating the New Year um, Eve. That was in 2005. And at that time, they were asked to sign to renounce their faith. And most of the men who were with them uh, signed and were released, but all the women refused. So our government thought they'd been insulted by women, uh, which are, I mean, who are always regarded as inferior. So uh, they start to treat them harshly. But in spite of that, still they are holding on. They are strong in their faith. Uh, uh, Tuan had a chance to escape if she wants. There was a time that she was sick and she was sent to hospital. And there was no um, prison guard to escort her. But after she was released, she spent some time with her family uh, and visited some friends, the pastor. And uh, this was a picture that she was taken. Then she went back to the desert prison on her own. Um, and a lot of people said, why did she do that? But she didn't want to abandon her group, her team. And she said, if they release me officially, I will go. So that could be the main reason. But she is still in uh, prison. Uh, another person is uh, Dr. Taklav. He's a medical doctor. He was one of the uh, revival uh, movement leaders in the Orthodox Church. Uh, I know him personally. He was a very devout person. He is especially skilled in writing books. So he, he writes a lot of um, evangelical books like discipleship uh, books and distributes to all churches in Eritrea. Dr. Talab is suffering from diabetes and uh, sometimes he suffers from complications. Uh, he has three children and his wife is also a brave woman of faith. He was arrested in 2004, and until now he's in prison. Uh, another guy, he's, highly, he's a, a pastor in the Full Gospel Church. He was arrested in 2004. He has three children. Um, his mother passed away while he was in prison. He was not allowed to see her, even attend her funeral. Uh, this is Dr. Kufulu. He's one of my very closest uh, friends, uh, and he was... He was a university professor in math, uh, but he gave his full time to be a pastor in the Full Gospel Church. Uh, we had uh, a prayer um, time with him in my house, so we are very close. He was arrested in 2004. He has four children. Uh, until now, he's in prison. 
um, someone was telling me about him while he was in prison. He was, um, uh, th there was like uh, a metal, um, uh, so just to use it to, to, to lift heavy, uh, as heavy lifting. So he was just lifting like this, uh, like exercise, and he was punished for that. And his punishment was, he was handcuffed for three months, day and night. And uh, this person was telling me, he, he, they were not in the same cell, but he, he, he could see him. And he said, with his handcuffed uh, uh, arms, he said, like this. So he suffered a lot, but still uh, in prison. And uh, yeah, this is Dr. Futsum. He's a, a priest in the Orthodox Church. He is one of the revival leader. Uh, he is a psychiatrist. He's the only psychiatrist in the country when he was arrested. Uh, we were very close. We were working uh, in Ethiopia in the same department, in the Department of Psychiatry. Um, he was very um, uh, uh, active, a very honest man, uh, and he worked hard to change the mental uh, health service in Eritrea. Um, he has one son, his wife, uh, passed away uh, while he was in prison. She had cancer, uh, lung cancer, and also his father passed away. He was not allowed to visit them or attend his funeral. He was arrested in 2004. Uh, this is Pastor Michael. He is a pastor who uh, replaced me uh, when I came here. He is my pastor. Uh, uh, pastor Michael was first arrested in 2003. Uh, Security force came to arrest a group of young men who were praying in a container, in a shipping container, inside the shipping container. Then uh, he started to stop the security force. He said, if you want, you can take me, but you will not take these young people. And they said, okay, we'll take all of you. They took all of them. After four months, he was uh, released, but he was rearrested after a few months again uh, while leading... Um, a wedding ceremony. Um, then he was sent to a remote desert prison. He suffered a lot uh, because of his age. He was not young. And also, um, he was not uh, ready for that type of um, humiliation. But anyway, he was released. But again, he was rearrested in 2007. Now it's 10 years, and he's still in prison. Uh, yeah. uh, this is uh, Pastor Moussier and his family. He's also one of my disciples. Uh, I, I know him since he was a new Christian. Uh, we had a uh, Bible study in my house. Uh, he was married and has three children. Uh, he was arrested at uh, the same uh, time with Pastor uh, Juan Michael in 2007. Uh, we haven't heard from Moussier about Moussier. We just know He's somewhere in one prison, but he's never been seen, and we have no news uh, from him. But we hope that he's still uh, uh, alive. Uh, this is Musia Iyob. I shared briefly yesterday about this guy. He was living in Saudi Arabia, and while he was in Saudi, he was preaching in the Jeddah uh, hospital. Um, sorry, in the Jeddah mosque. He was arrested, he was sentenced to death, and one of his friends contacted us, 
And we started to talk to him, and he said uh, he's ready to die. Uh, he was, uh, while he was waiting uh, to be executed, we campaigned, uh, we asked all uh, our friends, like Amnesty International, and everybody started to write to the British, uh, I mean to the Saudi embassy. Then he was sent to Eritrea, deported, but in Eritrea he ended up in prison again. So now he is uh, in prison for the past seven years. Musia is uh, very strong and in faith and physically, and people call him like tenfold because he always, in the labor camp, he also wor works, helps those who are weak. Um, this is a place where he was uh, in prison. Now this place is shut because it is extremely hot and some prisoners start to die. So that's why they moved them from this camp prison. Uh, we have also refugees elsewhere in, uh, in Ethiopia and uh, Sudan and Egypt. Eritreans, wherever they go, they worship and they grow and grow. This was a small church when they start. After a few months, they become like this. So they kept on uh, growing. Um, there is one verse that always encouraged me when I think about uh, persecution. Paul said, um, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made um, yeah, unto, uh, unto death. Sorry, it's a bit, a bit small for me. Uh, so Paul was not just, you know, comforted him. He didn't know, just know Jesus as a resurrected Christ, but also he wanted to join him in his suffering. So whenever I think about the church in Eritrea, that's what I, comes into my mind. Usually I think, I, I ask myself, uh, what do the uh, I mean, Christians in Eritrea feel? Uh, what does it feel at the moment, those who are in prison, especially 10 years, 12 years, 13 years? Uh, recently, uh, I received a letter from someone who had been in prison for 13 years. And in, in the letter, it says, um, just you have to read it. Or... So this is a person who, who has been in prison for 13 years. And she's saying, be courageous, be courageous to us, to those who live in here. And we can feel the spirit because God is alive. Paul said that Christ would not be in prison. The word of God will never be in prison. I met many people who um, get converted inside the prison. God always raised revival. Sometimes we see thousands of people in a big hall or in a tent or in a stadium. But in Eritrean's case, God is raising in houses, churches, in prisons, 
in the deserts, in the military. So God is at work. And whenever I read this, this always you know, encourages me to pray more. Uh, if we continue to read, uh, that's the second paragraph. So they, we always tell them that we are praying for them. So this is what they expect from us, to pray day and night. We are one body. The word of God says, if one body suffers, the whole body suffers. We, will, we, will, we, will ne- we may never go to prison because we live in a comfortable place. But we can be part of the church that is suffering. Because if one body suffers, the whole body suffers. The church of Eritrea is our body. So we need to treat it as as if we are suffering. That's why Paul says, um, I think it's, uh, yeah, it says, continue to remember those in prison as if you are together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated, as if you yourself were suffering. When I first started to campaign or to remember these Christians, I was always feeling in my dreams as if I am also with them in the, in the, in the same prison. I know most of these places, and I feel the same uh, as if I am suffering. Uh, I used to have even nightmares because I can feel the torture. I can feel the starvation. I can feel the scorching sun. But the only thing I could do later I learned, just I have to be part of that by supporting these people, by being the voice of the voiceless. And each one of us can be the voice of the voiceless. We need to tell to our church. We need to tell to other Christians about these people. Our government is trying hard to cover. It doesn't want to come out the news. When we started to speak, we started to get warning from the government. I have seen four times my name in the government website. They called me an evangelical terrorist. In one uh, uh, website, they put my picture and they said, Brahana Asmelash, a criminal in the name of God. And they tried to scare me because they don't want these words to go out. And we are, they are voices. The more they say shut up, the more we need to talk. It's the same. When the apostles tried to preach, they were trying to silence them. But Peter and other disciples says, no, we will talk. Then that's why the word of God is spread. And we need to do the same. May God bless you. Just finally, a few prayer points.
We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.